Mr. Robot Season 1, Episode 1 is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Robot Road on Post Show Recaps, our Mr. Robot Rewatch Project, leading up to the return of Mr. Robot Season 2 on July 13. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wigler. I am joined here by a man who, just like me, is very different to Antonio Mazzaro. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Hello, I am hello, friend. Very different. How often are we going to be saying hello, friend, on this podcast? It's the drinking game. It's yeah. the Robot Road drinking game. Oh my God! Everyone's going to be blackout by the end of this thing. Yeah, they seems are. seems appropriate. Perfect because a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're driving. Is that true? <laughs> Did they listen while they're driving? Yeah. I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it's true. Yes. Uh, Well, perhaps you are driving. Perhaps you are sitting. Perhaps you are dreaming. Perhaps you are hacking somebody's social media account. I hope not. That's Uh, an advice. That's not advice. Uh, But hopefully you are listening to this. Otherwise, we are just talking into the void. But hello, we are talking Mr. Robot. It's happening. If you have not heard it already, we announced this the other week that we are going to be doing a Mr. Robot podcast one per week, every week leading up to the return of Mr. Robot. We are going to be doing recaps, reviews, discussions. General conversation about one episode every single week, both in a spoiler-free context, and then at some point in the podcast, we will transition with plenty of warning to spoiler-filled discussion of Mr. Robot. We've been very excited about the response we've heard from a bunch of you guys who are really pumped to get in on the Mr. Robot train. This is going to be fun stuff, Antonio. There's a train? There's a train, yeah. We're uh, on Robot I'm, Road, and alongside Robot Road is a train that I'm we can I'm very excited. Yeah. Is it an elevated train, or is it a, does it go underground, or how does this work? It's a subway. It's the Q train. Perfect. It takes, I'm, it to, I'm, takes it to Coney Island. I'm excited. You know how I love when uh, shows do New York right? Yes. This is a thing. Mr. Robot is a phenomenal New York City show. There is no Canadian New York here, uh, a reference to the old The Strain podcasting that Antonio and I used to do. Strigoi. That being said, Strigoi. That being said, I don't know why they have to transfer off of the F when they're trying to go to Coney Island, because the F would totally take them to Coney Island. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This we cannot. This podcast. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just There's so much to there. talk about, Josh. We <laughs> can't get into the logistics of train travel in New York. Just putting that out there. It's not this soon into the podcast. All right. Save it for the spoiler zone. All right, that's in the spoiler zone. Spoiler alert, you can take the F to Coney Island. (laughs) It's doable. Uh, F Train Society. All right, so let's talk about the episode. Before we do, just a little bit of business up front. If you want to subscribe to what we're doing here on the Mr. Robot Podcast on Post Show Recaps, we're going to have our iTunes feed set up momentarily. Hopefully that is up by the time you are listening to this. It is going to be postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes, MR Robot iTunes. You can subscribe that way. You can subscribe to everything we're doing on Post Show Recaps, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. That's the way that you make sure that you don't miss an episode. Other than that, Antonio, where should we begin as we start diving into the spoiler-free part of the first episode of Mr. Robot, other than the beginning? I think it's just the beginning. I think we have to dive right into what happens over Black, uh, the first introduction we have to Elliot. And right from the jump, Josh, we introduce Elliot as... Kind of something that maybe he's like an unreliable narrator. Something crazy is going on. Something perhaps delusional is going on with Elliot. We, the audience, are characters that are made up in Elliot's head, at least as he's imagining it. Yeah, we are his friend. You know, that's such a great hook. You know, it starts off with him saying, you know, this was the voiceover that kicked off the preview show. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name, but that's a slippery slope. You're only in my head. So right off the bat. Mr. Robot is having its main character talk to you, the viewer. Uh, it's really a really interesting hook. Uh, it really grabs you. At least it grabbed me immediately. 
Yeah, and because it's over black, it is sort of absent space and time. We don't know when he's delivering this monologue. We don't know what his situation is. We quickly kind of get into this scenario where it's like they've, you know, this is about the top one percent of the top one percent, and they're following me. And maybe this is about last night. And then we jump right into a scene, a scene that happened apparently, quote unquote, last night. That is. Uh, one of the most arresting and gripping scenes, uh, original scenes, I think, or opening scenes from a TV pilot in perhaps TV history. I don't know. It's that kind of scene, though. It is very arresting, for sure. Yeah, literally arresting. By the literally. End I, hey, I don't choose words on accident, Josh. <laughs> yeah, someone's arrested by the end. <laughs> yes. No, it's great. I mean, this whole scene at the coffee shop really tells you what this show is going to be. You know, it's going to involve hacking. It's going to involve digging up secrets on people and using that information um, for whatever the person who's wielding that information's cause is. In the case of Elliot, a lot of it comes down to uh, some justice. There's definitely justice that he is trying to seek here in this moment. But he also says it's basically like, I'm trying to work on my social skills. So one of the things that you get from it is immediately from Elliot, who we've already heard from. We've heard from Rami Malek's character right away, and we know that there's something a little bit weird about the guy, but just in the way that he is interacting with this man at Ron's coffee shop. What's the character's name that he's talking to? Rohit. Rohit Mehta. Rohit. Yeah, so he's like talking to Rohit, and his eyes are bugging out, and the things he's saying, he's oversharing about how his father died of leukemia and all of this stuff. Uh, It's right off the jump you are getting a sense of not only what the show is going to be about and the types of of the types of scenes it's going to dish out along the way, but also who its main character is, is completely in all of its most important details, I think revealed in this first scene. I think that's right. And I think that it's not only just that they're revealing kind of the most important details. When you talk about there's going to be hacking, there's going to be all these things. This is sort of kind of a weird agenda for Elliot that he makes clear in this scene. He talks about how the fact that something was too good scratched an itch in his brain that that good things can't just exist right that he had to wonder why something this good was happening and i it's just fascinating because he didn't hack rohit metta because he thought this guy was definitely a scumbag he didn't he didn't look into his life because he was curious because he saw the guy do something specific or because he had interacted with the guy prior to that and wondered what was up with him He hacked him because there was good internet at his coffee shop, and that's what made him wonder, what the heck's going on here? And so we we find out right away that this is an Elliot, this is a character who who is can't let good things just exist in his motivations may not always be the most mature, or they may not always be the most evolved, that he's coming from a place of deficit. He's coming from this place where his father died. Company's fine, though. And all these things have happened, and that may be motivating the way that he lenses the world, the way that he relates to the world. And unfortunately, well, I guess I should say unfortunately because the guy was kind of a monster, but unfortunately for Rohit of Ron's Coffee Shops, uh, it brought Elliot into his, his – cro- or Elliot – you know, into Elliot's crosshairs, right. and that's really tough. Yeah, well, what's interesting, too, is you're talking about him coming from a place of deficit and maybe not viewing things from such a mature lens, but one of the things that I take away from it is I go to this coffee shop, I notice that there's great internet there, I, as a human being, as Josh Wiggler, I go, awesome, I'm coming to this coffee shop all the time because this is the place with the great internet and I can get work done here. And that's basically going to be the end of the line for me. For Elliot, Elliot goes through this situation, notices this fantastic internet, and he's like, why is that? 
you know, he thinks, he's curious, he's, he thinks outside the box, he thinks about what are the next possible steps, and he researches that, and maybe he's going to find nothing, maybe he's just going to find, like, this place wants to do good business, so they are making sure that they are the best internet cafe in town. Uh, but, of course, he finds something darker, he finds something sinister, but it just is a testament to his thinking outside the box abilities, which are going to be really prevalent throughout the show. So right. it's, a, it's a real testament to the intelligence of this guy as well. Yes, intelligence and motivation, because he says that it's, it comes from the part of his mind that doesn't allow good to exist yeah. without condition. Yeah. And so he's curious enough to think, oh, I, I can't just let good exist without condition. And you might say, that's curiosity. That's the, the Josh Wiggler of it all. We'll just let good exist without condition and say, I don't care. I just know that it benefits me. Whereas in Elliot, it's like, hmm, this is too good. There has to be some kind of, some kind of flip side to this. I better look into this. And then here we are. Here we are. I love this scene so much. I mean, I remember this is again, you know, we talked about this a bit in our preview show. It's like I had been hearing about Mr. Robot and everyone is loving. And I was like, Mr. Robot, really? All right. Well, once I have some free time, I'll check it out. And we talked about it on our first episode of Mo Shows Recapped ever. I believe it was our very first one or our second one, maybe. And the first thing that I did, like the first show that I watched as soon as we were done there was the first episode of Mr. Robot. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Let me watch the first one. And if I like it, I'll keep going. And and it, you know, the question, the matter was completely settled for me by the end of this scene. You know, as you said, it is just one of the iconic first scenes of any episode that I can think of, uh, certainly in recent memory. And it's not because there's a huge plane crash and someone's running around saving everybody or anything like that. Or no one is like, you know, grabbing the shaky cam and filming their potential suicide note or anything like that. But there is just an immediate, immediate you know, gravitational pull. Uh, and I, I say to people all the time, like, watch the first episode of this show, and if you're not into it by the end of the first episode, don't keep going. Because it's just not going to be worth your time because clearly you're not going to respond to it because I think everything that you'll ever respond to in Mr. Robot is present in this very incredible first episode. But probably drilling down even deeper into that, you might even consider just, like, going away after this first, epi- this first scene if you didn't like it. Because for me, this first scene is so magnetic. Right. You're right. And I, I'm, I'm completely on the same page. And for me, like the big center of it, the kind of intriguing hook about this, not only the fact that Elliot's part of his mind doesn't allow good to exist without condition, is Remy Malik's kind of delivery of yeah. all this and saying, I'm very different too. And opening his eyes wide and yes. saying he's, he's trying to work on it's the away from keyboard kind of real life skills where he takes his hood down and he actually relates to people. I decided public. to do this AFK. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a little cheesy, but whatever. yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit, but I mean, it's just, LOL. This is, LOL, I decided to do this AFK, BRB. BRB, but, AFK. Yeah, but this is, I mean, it's just, you've got a lot set up. You've got Elliot, the kind of person, he, his, his father died because he worked for a big corporation and they probably gave him leukemia. And the corporation's doing fine, but Elliot's clearly not. Uh, and Elliot is kind of this, uh, we talked a little bit about this on our preview, but there's a little bit of the Dexter in him. There's a little bit of this kind of vigilante, avenging kind of person. And that's what we see is, is sort of his motivating factor in some ways is that he's doing good. And the great line as he's walking out of this first scene, I don't give a shit about money right. uh, is fascinating because it's like, what is he doing this for then? Is he doing it for justice? Is he kind of trying to make the world a better place? Uh, I, I, I mean, it's just, 
if you're not intrigued by this first scene, I agree. I wonder if you're going to like the show at all. Yeah, I love that. I don't give a shit about money, too. And I just love how the music swells at that point. And that's where you get your Smash Mr. Robot title card right onto the screen. And that's one of the great things about this show. We were talking about this in the preview as well. It's just like the moments that build up to that title reveal. Right. Almost always just like so artfully done and so chilling and so intense. Sometimes they're really exciting. Sometimes they're horrifying. Sometimes they're just fun and funny. Um, so, sometimes they're beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes they're just they're, there's classical music or there's just a and they're, they're there's sometimes a real they're joy to it. Yeah, there's a lot going on yeah, there. They're great. It's, it's just great. it's a very, very, very well made television show. Uh, the music choices are fantastic. The titles are fantastic. The consistency, the original music is great. Uh, and I think all of that really comes together in this first little bit of the show for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, The other thing I love about this scene, too, before we move away from it, is I love the moment where Rohit is like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. How did he pass? Which is just like his brief moment, like this monster who we are now realizing is a monster trying to like exploit an opening here. Yeah. Like the person who is about to ruin his life is being vulnerable and oversharing. And he's like, maybe I can, you know, express some sympathy and change my fortune a little bit. It's a subtle moment, but I really love that moment. Yeah. And then, then just like no more than probably like 30 seconds later, he can't even speak a sentence without crying. I know. Yeah. It's just too much. He knows he's screwed. So yeah, this is just a, it's just a really great mission statement opening, opening bit here with the black monologue, as well as with this sort of interaction with Ron or Rohit. Uh, it's just, this is Mr. Robot in in all of its glory, right? Mr. Rohit. Mr. Rohit. Yes. (laughs) Mr. Robot. All right. Where should we go next? Well, I mean, I think it's important to to kind of get into the the other kind of dramatist persona, if you will, the other characters in the play, the show, uh, because that's where we kind of go. Uh, Elliot goes on the train. This is our first interaction with Christian Slater's character. Uh, we see on the train. We didn't really talk enough in our preview show about Christian Slater, very well-known actor. Uh, as soon as you see a kind of bum on the train, kind of, hey, kiddo, shouting out to Elliot, uh, and it's Christian Slater, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be on the show again. Yeah. Uh, Christian Slater's not just an extra in this scene. This is going to be a thing. Uh, so we get him kind of right away, but we also... Cut to Elliot at work. He's a software uh, engineer. He's working in a security company. And he talks to – we see his friend Angela. Uh, and this is Elliot's Not kind of, Amanda Seyfried. Not Amanda Seyfried, no. <laughs> uh, big pouty lips, blonde hair, uh, pale skin, very similar to Amanda Seyfried, but not her. Porsche uh, Doubleday is the name of the actor. Porsche Doubleday, yes. Great name. Love that with, name. Not to be confused with Porsche de Rossi. No, uh, different, you know. different Porsche. Porsche, Porsche Doubleday, if, you will, if you've ahead. seen if you've seen her, have you seen her, Antonio? Do you remember her from her? Her? From her? Yeah. Her? Porsche, yes. Porsche Doubleday was a body her? double in her. Her? Yeah, her. Okay, yes, I do remember. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is great. We so we kind of meet her. We had heard about her already. Uh, we in the in the the first beginning monologue, he says, "I should have gone to Angela's party." And this is Angela. Instead, I went to this is Angela. So we meet Angela. We meet Angela's uh, douchey boyfriend, <laughs> Ollie. He is the worst. I mean, what what is it with television shows and Ollie's <laughs> just being the worst? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we, we, you know we'll, we'll jump around a little bit in this. We're not going to go scene by scene. But Ali, as we see him, especially in, in this premiere at the, at, the, at, the, at the All Safe Security office, 
when he's first meeting Elliot and saying, let's do lunch, you know, you've said no three times. And uh, Elliot says to Ollie, I'm okay with it being awkward between us. I love that. That's one of my favorite lines of the whole, the whole part. I love that whole thing. It's like his Facebook likes are George W. Bush, Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen, and the music of Josh Groban. Do I really have to justify why I don't like this? Yeah. uh, I love that Elliot. Yeah. He's a no offense to anybody who likes those things, but it's just a really funny line on the show. Right. And that's, but that's, and that's Elliot's justification. Must I justify myself for not liking Ollie? But then we also find out that Ollie is cheating on Angela because of course he is. Um, But Elliot's not quite ready to see what comes after Ollie because Angela has bad taste in men. Right. And then we have just in the background. I love this. Ollie says, you like music. I like music. Maroon (laughs) five. Yeah. Huge Maroon five fan. So this is hilarious to me. These are the, and we also meet Gideon. We see Gideon who is Elliot's boss at the security firm. Great performance by Gideon. Can you tell me more about this actor, Josh? Yeah, this guy is, uh, what is it, House of Cards, right? House of Cards, this is President, yeah. President Walker, is President Walker in the building here? Garrett Walker, I think his name is yeah. on House of Cards, and on House of Cards, he's this sort of milk toast, like we, the kind of guy that you're like, how did this guy ever get elected president? Frank Underwood just walks all over him, and right. uh, just this this guy does not seem very presidential on House of Cards. On on Mr. Robot, I really love this performance. Love this character, played by Michael Gill. He plays Gillian Goddard. He's the CEO of All Safe Security. He kind of has, you know, in his way, he sort of has a paternal relationship toward Elliot. I don't know how receptive Elliot is toward that just in terms of Elliot doesn't seem to be really receptive towards anybody's emotions. I think that's something that becomes really clear throughout this episode. But Gideon has this sort of admiration for Elliot's abilities that we see, especially with the hack that comes uh, comes up later in this episode, that Gideon really respects the way that Elliot is able to think and able to work and able to do things that nobody else can really do. And there's a real sweet side to him. I love that scene on the airplane where he's like, yes. have I told you I'm gay? Because uh, <laughs> well, now you know. Because my partner really wants to be more public about it, and so I'm trying to do that, and so there you have it. I'm gay. It's just a really great scene on the airplane when they're on their way back from Texas, and he is just, like, power drinking a glass of champagne because he needs that. So it's just really good stuff. I love that character. Gideon is a really, really good character. Yeah, he's a really good character. He has a great kind of role to play in this pilot episode where we see his interactions with Elliot, and you're right, the kind of admiration that he has for him. But it's it's almost like there's a little bit of trepidation. Like, I think he recognizes that Elliot is not necessarily the best person to be employed at the security firm. It's represented with Elliot's lack of interest in wearing a dress shirt and a badge. Uh, Elliot would rather wear his black hoodie and probably rather wear the hood up at all times. I sympathize with that. Uh, but in reality... We, that, uh, we used to call that ghost protocol at, uh, at the MTV offices when I was full-time at MTV. I would very often come to work in a hoodie and when it became time for no one to talk to Wiggler anymore because he was too deep in the code uh, or too, too knee-deep in writing a story or just exhausted and irritable, I would have the hoodie up and they would say, oh no, Wiggler has initiated ghost protocol. Well, and you get the impression that Elliot would prefer ghost protocol 24 seven. Yeah, no, he's all in on ghost pros. I want to, I, I mean, I want to, I, I, we talk a lot about planting flags here. I post show recaps. I do think it's very interesting to watch when Elliot puts the hood up and when he takes it down in the first scene with Rohit, 
he's wearing it when he encounters him and he takes it down. He's uncomfortable with his hair. He starts scratching his head a lot. Uh, he puts it up as soon as he's walking out. So it's like, I'm going to take this down and try to relate to you. But as soon as I'm done, I'm putting it back up. Uh, and we see him doing that throughout the episode, taking the hood up and down. And I think that that's a very key character moment for Elliot every time that happens. I think that's also just a thing you do when you're wearing a hoodie, or at least it's a thing I do. It's like, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's up, it's down. Yeah, it is. It is. But I really think Elliot makes a meal out of that. And I think it's significant when he, he also, Elliot has a thing about no touching. Uh, he doesn't no really touching. like it when certain people, but he lets certain people touch him. Right. Uh, he's okay with Angela giving him a hug uh there's you know there's things that happen at certain points uh but he's definitely not okay with other people touching him and we see that throughout when ollie touches him elliot is uh, he's repulsed and yeah. it's great so yeah. That's a there's a lot of that so the elliot's kind of internal i don't know if you want to call it like there's an acting method where you, you take a specific kind of action uh but i don't know if, the, if it's part of that or if it's just a choice he's making but the hood up and down i think is a big part of it you know that. what's interesting um i don't i i don't know where this comes from i know where it comes from for me i was having a conversation with good friend and regular post show recaps contributor kevin mahadeo and his girlfriend robin who both really very rapidly probably like many people who are going to be listening to this just went through mr robot you know they started it and they couldn't stop and they were done in a week um and robin kevin's girlfriend was really doing a deep dive into a lot of the stuff about the show and reading about some of the choices that were made. And apparently it was Rami Malek's call to wear that black hoodie. And not only was it his call to wear that black hoodie, that's Rami Malek's hoodie. He came to set wearing it and wanted to wear it. And eventually the show was like, all right, well, he is wearing this hoodie. Let's make a few more of them. Let's get a few of these hoodies made. And apparently Rami Malek goes, you know, he says in interviews, according to my friend Robin, uh, that he, he knows when he has the OG hoodie on in certain scenes and when it's like the prop hoodie. Uh, but the hoodie was a Rami Malek choice, apparently. Well, and I mean, Rami Malek is an interesting dude. Uh, there's not a role that he's that I've seen him in where he isn't kind of fascinating when he's on screen and kind of uncomfortable seeming, uh, discomforting in his performance. Uh, he's he's very gripping. That's that's for certain. We talked on the preview about how he really jumped out of the Pacific for me. How he shows up on screen and I'm like, who is this kid? Like, I gotta he do is... the Pacific. Now that you, you've said this twice, now I got to do the Pacific. I'm a big Band of Brothers guy. I just never did Pacific. Oh wow. Well, yeah. the Pacific's got a great cast, and he's he's a very small player in the, the the overall kind of context of the Pacific. He's not one of the top you know three or four roles. But when he's on screen, I don't think I'd seen him before that. And I was like, wow, where did this kid come from? Like, he's weird. And so this is Remy Malik. I think there's a lot of Remy Malik in this performance for certain, uh, unquestionably, whether it's his actual hoodie or whether it's just the fact that the way he necessarily interacts with people isn't always the most comfortable. One of the great kind of ongoing things on the Reddit for Mr. Robot is photographs of Remy Malik just being Remy Malik in public that that it's hard to separate the Elliot from the Remy Malik in a lot of these circumstances whether it's uh, being uncomfortable using a parking meter being uncomfortable at a fan signing with uh, people throwing pens at him they're they're just great photographs of Remy Malik looking very Elliot uncomfortable like for sure awkward Rami is the new sad Keanu Yes, that, that is. There, there may be something to that. There yeah. may be something to that. But I think that it's. Um, I think that it's fascinating to talk about his perspective uh, and what he brings to the role because 
so much of the show is him as a narrator. And we talked about how there's comparisons to Dexter because of that. There are comparisons to other shows, which are very character-centric in terms of we're seeing and hearing things from their perspective. It's made abundantly clear, I think, even in this pilot, that we are really getting a lot from Elliot's perspective. You, you talked about the scene, for example, between Gideon and Elliot on the plane coming back from the hack. Gideon is referring to E-Corp, but he says, the character Gideon says Evil Corp. Right. And we know that that's because Elliot has already established that he's done this brain thing where he's convinced himself that every time he sees an E or hears a commercial for E-Corp or hears someone say E-Corp in his brain, he hears Evil Corp because he thinks it's an evil corporation. But in that scene on the plane, it's presented as though it's just happening, that Gideon is just saying Evil Corp. So my question for you, Josh, is, how much of this pilot are you watching with the idea or the belief that what we're seeing may not actually be what's happening because we're seeing and hearing a lot from Elliot's perspective? Right. This is a really interesting point, and I think it's going to be instructive when we're done with this. I think that we should be setting up what E-Corp is and all of that stuff. But just as that, to, to follow that point through, I did not pick up on that in my first watch. Uh, I really just thought that the name of this corporation was Evil Corp. It went over my head that it was Elliot saying... I only hear Evil Corp. When I see E Corp, I hear Evil Corp. Uh, and so I just, you know, I took it at face value when Angela or Gideon or somebody is also saying Evil Corp. But typically that's coming in scenes that Elliot is involved in. Right. And I think that that is really important to notice. I think that when you're seeing characters who are saying things like that, that we know that Evil Corp is not actually the name of an entity. It's called E Corp. But these characters are saying those words because that's how Elliot processes it then I think that you have to start to understand that a lot of what you're seeing on the show, you are processing through Elliot's perspective. And I think that that becomes very instructive and very useful as you're starting to generate theories about the show and what it is you're seeing. Yeah, because we, and, and I will, we'll set up E-Corp in a little bit here, but Elliot is in therapy. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, his therapist, Krista, is a major character in this pilot and in subsequent episodes. Uh, and we don't know from the pilot exactly why Elliot's in therapy. He says he was forced there. That's a quote from Elliot. Uh, he looks for the worst in people, uh, and he sees that, but we don't know necessarily why he's there. Krista says, you're not yelling like you were before, uh, and but that is a concern, that he's angry at everyone, that he's got these issues that, quote-unquote, forced him into therapy. Uh, Elliot, at different points in the... In this pilot says he's delusional, that he has delusions. At, at one point, he's actually saying, like, he says to the audience, like, did you see that? Um, you know, I'm schizo is something Elliot says uh-huh. in this pilot. So we have a guy who's in therapy for delusions. He's apparently being given meds, although we don't know that he's taking them for delusions. He says they're helping him. But clearly, he's, this, is, this is who he is. And he's our primary lens for what we're interacting with. So it isn't just the evil corp of it all. It's how much of what we're seeing is through the eyes of someone who's delusional. Right. And how much of it is actually real and how much, how much of it isn't. Yeah. His scene in the therapist's office with Krista is a great scene when he's starting to kind of rant and rave about all of the things that he sees wrong yes. with society. And I think that's also incredibly informative of the journey that we're going to be on in Mr. Robot. What are some of the things that he is, he is kind of lashing out about here? Steve Jobs made billions off the backs of child labor. Our heroes are counterfeit. We see Lance Armstrong. We see Josh. We see Bill Cosby. Yeah, I know. We don't need to go there. Uh, we see Tom Brady, which is hilarious. That's a sports thing. Are you in on that, I know Josh? what a Tom Brady is. I'm a deflate aware. gate. We yeah, see I'm Tom. Aware of that. 
Tom Brady is probably not very happy to be in that triumvirate, by the way. Lance Armstrong, a confirmed like doper, confirmed cheater. Bill Cosby, a confirmed doper, confirmed cheater. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, wow. maybe he threw some underinflated footballs and didn't want to talk about it. Like, it is not. We're, I mean, waiting. Not, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop or the other cleat, as it were. <laughs> ah, nice. Cleat. Good job, Josh. I know Way what those were. That was a home run. I had, um, to, I had to wear them once and I didn't like it. <laughs> Were you in a play or something? (laughs) I was, I was in a play in the middle of a baseball game, I guess. Nice. Nice. A softball game. Yeah. I, it was a softball game and I was running from first to third and I rounded second and clearly did not touch second base, but didn't think anyone noticed. And then I got to third base like, dude, you didn't touch second base. You're out. Okay. I'm not going to touch that, but, uh, that's funny. Uh, Oh, poor Josh. That's the rules of baseball. You got to touch. I understand. I'm aware. I'm aware. Don't don't go down that rabbit hole. Remy Malik is also not happy. The robot hole. Uh, we'll take the robot road. He's not happy about fake social intimacy. We see Twitter. Uh, we vote for it with our things and our money. We do it because we want to be sedated because we're cowards. It's painful not to pretend. Uh, this is Don't a you rant- love how he's doing like the Kobayashi thing. Like he's doing the Kaiser Soze move where he's like looking at looking like, around the room. Yeah, yes. and he's just like pulling things from around the room. It's he sees little- her Hunger Games book, her meds. Yeah, yeah. Is- yeah, it's a little on the nose, but I think it's pretty fun. Well, the other thing I think that this scene establishes more than anything is Mr. Robot is, uh, the show, is very much of the zeitgeist. Yeah. It is very current and prescient. It is not a show that exists 10 years ago or even four years ago. Uh, there are things that are referenced throughout the, the, the series of Mr. Robot that at the time that they were referenced were happening almost contemporaneously. Uh, and it was very fascinating to see kind of, oh my gosh, they snuck in a reference. Like there's a reference to Ashley Madison at one point. Right. And the Ashley Madison dump had just happened. Uh, they had to delay the finale of Mr. Robot for reasons that we'll get into when we discuss that episode. That's right. Uh, because of things that were happening in current day that were very similar. Uh, so this is a very prescient show that it very much exists in our current time and space. And Elliot's rant, which, by the way, is entirely in his head because Krista doesn't hear any of it. Yeah, and he's, he's just like, like, Elliot, why aren't you talking? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> so that is, uh, that is so good. It's a very arresting performance. He's very good in that monologue, and that is kind of – teeing up where this show is centered in our consciousness and in our zeitgeist. It is very much a part of that, uh, and which is very interesting because how many people are watching Mr. Robot in, in, in a very similar way, using it as kind of a, a medicine to dull them against the things that they don't want to think about or don't want to confront. I'm going to sit down on my couch and watch 10 episodes of television. Uh, but this show is like, if you're going to do that with this show, you can't escape these things because we're going to put them right in your face. And then it cuts to a Hulu commercial, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely kind of there's a tension there that I think is really interesting. Yes. And in, there's a tension in this particular scene that we're talking about as well because Elliot is very clearly not telling the truth to his therapist. We already talked about how he says the meds you gave me are working. Uh, He does not seem to be on those meds. He's seeing men in black. Um, She says, when you hide your delusions, come back. So that's where we find out that he is delusional or has been delusional. Uh, He lies to her about going to the party. We see that it's a lie. We see him put the hood up and kind of standing outside, too uncomfortable to go inside. He claims he got a girl's number. We know that's a lie. Um, he, te- he basically out loud says F, F society, yeah. uh, which is very interesting because that comes up later and he's very rattled by that. Uh, so 
all of this is is great. The the Krista of it all is great in this pilot. We really see that Krista is somebody that Elliot has hacked as well. We find out about her details. One of the fascinating elements of that is we see kind of her online dating profile, again, from Elliot's perspective. So if you freeze frame it and you read it, it is not what a person, a normal person, would write in their dating profile. It is very much what a crazy person would read that a normal person, like a lens or something, like this funhouse mirror of what a dating profile would look like. So Elliot's, Elliot's very much in control of a lot of what we're seeing. Uh, and so that is fascinating when we, find, when we realize that he's delusional, he's off his meds, and he's angry. Yeah. 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 He's a very angry guy. He's a very angry guy. And a lot of the things that he is railing against are represented by what we've already referred to, E-Corp or Evil Corp, which is the big conglomerate of the world. You know, this is like the leading, this is evil Google. Yeah, yeah, evil, it's, evil Google, evil Apple, all of them rolled into one. Yeah, it's no coincidence that their uh, their logo looks like the Enron logo with the E kind of positioned that way. Yep. They're very much they're very much portrayed to be a bad corporation. Uh, if you think about, you say Google, I think that's a good one because you have Google Wallet, you have Google Thing that you can pay things with. You probably can pay your bills and and on and on and on. E Corp is also a bank. Uh, they're in control of a lot of finances that are going on. So they're even bigger, I think, than some of these conglomerates. Uh, and it, that's what they are. And by the way, they're Elliot's jobs, a big client, and right. they're seventy five percent of their business. So Elliot hates this corporation, but it's also the corporation that. His BFF Angela and his boss Gideon and Elliot himself uh, have ultimately have to defend, and that's really tough. That's really tough. the The CTO, the chief tech officer of E Corp, is Terry Colby, the legendary immunity challenge beast. Yes, that's the one. He only right. goes full tilt on uh, everything he does as a CTO. Right, right. Two two immunity beasts just merged together into one really <laughs> mean guy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, that's just something that happens. Uh, you know, better call the Wambulance for Terry Colby in this episode. Perhaps. Terry Colby looks like my dad, and it's really creepy. I look at him and I go, oh, well, that's, uh, that's like uncool dad. That's my evil dad. How do you think he shakes hands? I prob- this guy looks like he shakes firmly. Firm, firm handshake from firm Terry Firm handshake from Terry Colby. But he's kind of a, a paper CTO. He has a BlackBerry. Elliot doesn't respect that. He doesn't think he ever sees a terminal. The flip side of Terry Colby, the kind of the Patrick Bateman of it all, if you will, uh, is Tyrell Wellick, uh-huh. the, the underling, the under CTO of, of E Corp. And we meet Tyrell Wellick in the scene where Terry Colby and Evil Corp have come to visit uh, the all safe offices. And Tyrell Wellick is very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And like, I think throughout most of the episode, you think that he's just kind of a throwaway character. But obviously, by the very final scene of the episode, he is, you know, giving the, the final bonsoir, Elliot. You know, yes. so he is clearly going to be a player moving forward. Tyrell Wellick is probably, without getting into spoilers, he's one of those characters that, as the series progresses, is one of those characters that just generates a crazy amount of theories. Yes, a crazy amount of theories, a crazy amount of WTF, yeah. of what's this character's motivation, what is happening, did this happen, did it not. Um, we talk about Elliot, kind of how we see things through his lens and we have to question them as we get in further into the series. Uh, we're, you know, There's a lot of Wellick scenes that don't involve Elliot, so uh, he's a fascinating character to look at the world through. Right. In this particular kind of pilot, we've got this great first interaction between he and Elliot. Wellick lags back when Elliot 
has met when Colby has walked by with Gideon getting a tour of all safe. Wellick hangs back and says to him like, Oh, you know, you, uh, you're running Linux. This is fascinating. And don't, don't sell yourself short. I started where you were and you know, I run Linux still uh, old habits die hard. And Elliot in his head says, an executive running Linux, and Wellick interrupts him and says, I know, I know what, what you're thinking. thinking. An executive running Linux. Yes, this is crazy, this yeah. interaction between the two of them. Very it's simpatico, just, these two. Yeah, uh, they, they really, and, and uncomfortable. Uh, and, and Uncomfortably it's not, simpatico. Yes, it's not something that between the two of them, Elliot kind of looks at this guy, I think, and sees him threatening. And of course, by the end of the episode, when Elliot's kind of done what he's done, and we'll, we'll finish talking about that shortly, but Wellick is the one who observes what happens. He sees the folder switch and he knows something is up. And by the very end of the episode, he's, he's brought Elliot in to talk to him. So uh, there's obviously going to be more going forward between these two characters. Uh, and it's definitely something to look forward to when we discuss other episodes. Tyrell Wellick is interesting to me, too, because like he carries himself with so much self-importance and you know such badassery. You know, I think that he really looks at himself like that. And yet when I look at him, doesn't he look like a little boy in like a man suit? He does a little bit. I mean, he very clearly has risen up very quickly, and that's sort of what he talks about when he first meets Elliot. It's like, I wasn't, you know, I used to be like you, and look look at me now. And he is a little boy in a man suit. And but, I mean that, like, literally, like, the suit looks a little too big for him, almost yeah, all the time. Yeah, he also has this kind of weird way of speaking, uh, which is Well, he's clearly, Swedish. Let's be I was nice. Say, Come on. It's, and it's not like he's the Swedish chef. You can understand what he's saying, at least. Well, no, I, I, but I mean, it, it's clear that English isn't his first language, right. but it is isn't that his English is heavily accented. It is there. He says executive, for example, yeah, sure, and sure, sure. there are certain words where it pops out, but there are others where it's, you know, you're like, where is this guy? And it, it the, the fact that he has a Swedish accent isn't ultimately, doesn't really come right to the surface. He has sort of a vague accent. Uh, and he's, he's just kind of a fascinating character. I love how he says CTO always C- says CTO CTO. Yes. Yeah, love CTO. That. The CTO. Yeah. Not the CTO, but the CTO. Yeah, CTO. So there's a, there's a lot going on there. Um, and and he sort of, I think, in this pilot is representative of the different life. Uh, and we, when we talk about how he says to Elliot, like, I could, you know, you could be like me. I started where you were. Elliot very clearly doesn't want to be like that. He wants to free people, as he says, from the invisible hand, the one that forces us to work for them. Um, he says, I can't do it. I'm not special. I'm just anonymous. And then we see rough scenes of Elliot. He's crying in his apartment with his back against the wall. This is where we find out that he's a morphine kind of user. Yeah. Uh, he would tell you that he's not addicted to morphine because he regulates his usage. He very clearly uh, needs morphine to get through the day. So to me, that's an addiction. But he takes withdrawal medicine. Yeah, he uses Suboxone for when he doesn't, you know, doesn't run out. He doesn't want to take any more than 30 milligrams so that he doesn't build up a tolerance, but he takes withdrawal medicine. So he very clearly has a, an addiction and a reliance on, on opiates. And that's, that's another interesting perspective on this character because that's going to screw up his moods for sure. Uh, that's going to screw up the way that he relates to the world. Uh, it's not a psychedelic medicine or a psychedelic kind of drug, but it is something that has a very significant impact on mood. Uh, and on the way people relate to each other. So um, that is something we find out about Elliot here. We also meet Shayla, Josh. Shayla, love yes. Shayla. Yeah. So sweet. Elliot's drug dealer who clearly wants to be more than his drug dealer. Uh, she's also his neighbor. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on between the two of them, even from the jump. Where they have Elliot- a mutual friend named Molly. They do have a mutual friend named Molly. Have you ever met Molly? No, I have not met Molly. 
don't want to meet Molly. No. Uh, she's not very nice. Uh, but yeah, Elliot has, they have a mutual friend named Molly. They have a mutual friend named Mary Jane. Uh, yes. She's much nicer than Molly. Yes. Elliot very, I think he, he really likes Mary Jane a lot. Seems uh, to. Yeah, so there's a lot going on between the two of them right away. Uh, there's a don't make decisions while you're on morphine, and then we see uh, Shayla naked next to Elliot in bed. Uh, so they made some decisions there. Yeah, they make some decisions there, and he also gets the call. You know, after they've like already been on all of this stuff, that it's time to time to go to work. Something big is happening. Yeah, and and that's uh, he he's he's so distracted because he he's got kind of three things that he's doing. He's doing the non-work stuff uh, where he's very upset. He's doing the stuff where he wants to spy on Krista, his his therapist. Right, because he doesn't tr- he doesn't trust the boyfriend because the boyfriend doesn't have much of um, a online life. There's not much of a trail for this guy, and that's suspicious to Elliot. Right. And so as he's sort of in the process of working on that, Angela, his, you know, BFF from childhood calls him and says, there's been another attack. It's a DDoS attack. Dadas, Dadas Wiggler. It's a Dadas Wiggler attack. We need to go in. So then he's into work and then he's right into the hack of it all. And there's a, there's a something going on, uh, which Lloyd, the other tech there, describes someone finger blasting their entire network. Uh, not very delicate language. Whoa, from- Lloyd! Lloyd! Yes, so that's a bad thing that's happening. Uh, but yeah, so Elliot really jumps right into this thing, and he discovers that as he and Gideon go out and look at the Evil Corp servers, that someone has put uh, this sort of rootkit in the uh, the Evil Corp server, and the rootkit basically says, leave me here. What is a rootkit? Well, how is it described in the show? You sound like Angela asking uh, what a rootkit is, which is interesting to me. Uh, I think it's just this sort of kind of program that you can use to replicate uh, malicious software. So it's not, it, I think if you wanted to call it a virus, it would be okay, but it's much deeper than a virus. It would be like a virus that rests very deeply in, your uh, in a thing in the roots. Exactly right. And so as the server is working and doing its basic things, uh, this is something that is part of that. Uh, and as a result, it can replicate very easily, very quickly, and can cause a lot more problems than just a virus that maybe shuts you out or you know adds uh, software to your computer that is uh, telling something what you're doing at all times. This is something that exists in the root of the server. That's why they have to go to the servers to fix them and to get into the root of the server to fix them. So it's bad. They take a jet. Apparently they have a jet. Josh, is this, are you familiar with like, it just seems strange to me that they've got a jet at their disposal. Well, that being said, I mean, they are the chief security officers behind the biggest corporation in the Fair universe. Point. Fair point. So they're going to, so they're going to have a jet on standby, especially in cases of emergency. So I, I buy this. I think this works. So when they get there, Elliot makes this big choice when he sees that in there's one server that's still infected and there's the, the phrase, leave me here. Uh, and Elliot says, this notice for me. And he seems like he wants to delete it, but he doesn't delete it. He doesn't. No. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is the real kind of Wonderland moment, too. You know, it's like that, you know, eat me, drink me moment, leave me here. Uh, And choosing to follow through with that is really... And I know that there's a lot of Matrix comparisons to be made in certain scenes in this show and in this episode in in itself. Uh, But I feel like this is the moment when you allow this thing that says, leave me here. When you leave it there, I think that's when you are choosing to go down the robot hole. 
Yeah, and and I think that's right. And I think that it's it's really interesting because we know that Allsafe has has been dealing with these security problems sort of regularly. We found out earlier in the episode they'd been getting hacked. We see this DDoS attack on an evil corp. Uh, Elliot makes this choice at this point. Uh, as you say, the rabbit hole or whatever you will, he leaves it there. And that's immediately made clear because on the way back from the airport, Elliot meets Christian Slater again. And yeah. He recognizes, I've seen you, you've been following me around, and he says, oh, we don't have anything to talk about unless you left it there. If you left it there, you should follow me, but if you didn't leave it there, we don't have anything to talk about. So it becomes very clear that the Christian Slater character at this point is talking about the, the, don't, the don't remove me, don't delete me kind of note, right. uh, the leave me here. And so that he's down the rabbit hole at that point, because now he's almost immediately interacting with somebody who maybe has something to do with that. Yeah. And here shows up the Cheshire cat of it all. You know, right. We've got Christian Slater, who's now in the show. We see the name tag. It's Mr. Robot question answered. What is a Mr. Robot? It's a Christian Slater. It's a Christian slates. (laughs) It's a Christian slates, Uh, clean slates for Christian slates too, who I know. And I haven't really watched a lot of his shows that he was trying. Like I never watched my own worst enemy or whatever the hell he was doing, but I know that he had a lot of whiffs in trying to become a TV guy. You know, a lot of these great actors of the eighties and the nineties who are now showing up on TV. You know, you've got Kiefer Sutherland really paved the way in a big way. I think with his turn as Jack Bauer and was able to kick off a franchise, and I think a lot of people have tried to do the similar leap to TV, some more gracefully than others. I think for Christian Slater, he is greatly used here as a really important supporting character, as opposed to being the person to shoulder the entire weight of the story. And him here as Mr. Robot is such a compelling, interesting, mysterious character that plays such a prominent role in this show and in such a really menacing, intense, but also welcoming and inviting and very humorous way what a great character. And, you know, Christian Slater won a Golden Globe for this role. Uh, yeah. Has won a, f- a few awards, I believe, for this role. Um, I think underreported story. I mean, Mr. Robot won a Golden Globe for Best Drama Series for its very first season. So we're talking about a really great thing here. And Christian Slater, Christian Slates, as you will, uh, him in this role specifically is just tops. Really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Crow had uh, sent us some feedback, which you can always do at feedback at postshowrecaps.com. Is that a way to do that, Josh? Or That's do a way. Do postshowrecaps.com post-show-recaps. slash, slash feedback. Feedback. Yes. So we got some feedback from L- Emily Crow about that and said we should talk more about Christian Slater. And I agree. Onward Christian Slater, uh, marching as to Golden Globes. This is fantastic stuff from Christian Slater. And I mean, we have the little introductions to him when we sort of see him in the background of these earlier scenes. But one of his first big things here is this monologue about his father that he gives. He says, my dad was a petty thief. He taught me everybody steals. That's how it works. And he talks about how he admired that about his dad. But at the end of the day, his dad was just a guy in jail and that he wants to free Elliot from jail. Mr. Robot wants to free Elliot from that same prison. I'm going to break you out, he says. And he takes him to this Weird back alley spot in Coney Island, Josh. You've been there before, right? You've been to this very room? I have not been to this very room. Oh, this, I thought this is where you grew up. This is not where I grew up. Oh, you didn't grow up going to that arcade? No, I grew up three arcades down. Oh, three arcades. That's right. Gosh, I'm sorry I missed uh, it's Close, that. close. It's so confusing close. to me. It's okay. This is a really complicated story that we're talking about here. You're not going to get every detail right. Right. Uh, well, hey, and you're an unreliable narrator. You told me that they, the birthplace of Totino's Pizza was <laughs> No, it's Totano's. 
Oh, the party pizza wasn't born there. No, the party pizza wasn't born there. There's a great pizza called Totonos, not Totonos. Totonos. Oh, Totinos. Okay, yeah. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, we see that they, they kind of uh, Mr. Mr. Robot is introducing Elliot to this weird spot. Uh, somebody kind of opens the door. They just let him in. Their den is an old arcade. It's fascinating. Uh, Mr. Robot says, "I give people a trust exercise to see if they should join here." It's a trust Elliot- ball. It's a trust fall. And Elliot's Have you ever trust- done the trust fall before, Antonio? <laughs> you, you don't know what you're getting into. Oh, no. Oh, there's no. a story there. I, I did a trust Let's fall. Let's drill down to the root kit of your <laughs> trust fall story. I, let me put it another way. You really don't want to drill down to the root kit of this trust fall story. I did a trust fall. Everything was fine. I had no problems with the trust fall. But the person... Uh, it was when I was a freshman in high school, the person who was pushing the trust fall, like, Hey, everybody do this trust fall. The, the guidance counselor of it all. He was really, really excited that everybody do these trust falls over and over and over again, uh, later arrested for, uh, some, uh, untoward activities. Oh, no. Yes. So I, I think he was really into the, the trust fall. Untrustworthy now falls. Yes. Now I don't trust any trust yeah, mistrust falls. falls. It's definitely a mistrust fall. No, let's me. not bring mistrust falls into it. She had nothing to do with it. No, exactly. Let's go Mr. Robot. Mr. Not trust mi- falls. No. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Manager? Yeah. We're really speaking of being down the rabbit hole. Uh, so, yeah, this is, uh, this, is, this is it. I mean, this is what Mr. Robot does is he's put this group of people together through trust falls and mistrust falls, if you will. Uh, and Elliot's trust fall was the, uh, was the leave me here. And he Elliot, left Elliot left it. And so here we are. And Elliot is kind of puzzled by this. Why are you guys all meeting in public? This is really weird to me. Uh, but he's introduced it. He's introduced Elliot to this, and then then that's it. Then they're gone, uh, and they're they're out. So um, Elliot's leaving and says, "I'm crazy. I have to be crazy because that didn't just happen, right? Is this a delusion? Shit, I'm schizo." <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great moment yeah. where he's just like, "Oh, I'm, I know I'm saying this to an imaginary person, but I created you. I did not create this." And he's right. just having this really kind of huge meltdown on the subway, which is great. I also love that Mr. Robot just brought him to the arcade to be like, "I just wanted you to see the place." Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is great. This is a, it's what you call a taste, Josh. You give somebody a taste of something. The first one's for free, uh, and then they come back later, uh, and then they want more. They so come back later. They come back later. 28 Days Later. This is a... Oh, wow. You're really killing it today, Josh. Have you ever seen 28 Days Later? I have not seen 28 Days Later. It's a web web series where Mario Lopez... The premise is it's somebody playing Mario Lopez that every 28 days, Mario Lopez believes he's A.C. Slater and lives his life as A.C. Slater for a single day. Is that true? Yeah, you can look it up. That's a thing that exists? Yeah, it's real. Oh, my God. I didn't just make it up. Who is A.C. Slater? Is that two S's, one L, A.C. Slater? (laughs) No. <laughs> you can all go figure this out on your own later. All right. Later. So on, on later. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is great. Like Elliot has, has been very affected by this. When he gets home, Angela's waiting for him. She says, do you want to get high and watch your favorite movie? It's back to the future too. That's Loves a great back Josh. to the future too. Yeah. Unfortunately, Shayla's still there. Angela feels the awkwardness, which I don't think she has any right to feel because she has a boyfriend. Get out of here, Angela. Well, you know, whatever. I mean, it's an uncomfortable situation to walk in on your friend who also has like a super naked person in bed who is way passed out. And it's just an uncomfortable thing. I, yeah. I feel fine for her feeling uncomfortable about it. I guess. Whatevs. But Elliot kind of, you know, that doesn't have Shayla or Angela there. He's looking into F society, finds out that uh, the property itself was, oh, it was called Fun Society. The owner was shot and killed a year and a half ago. Uh, he goes back. 
Uh, when he goes back, Mr. Robot says, let's get on a Ferris wheel. And then we have a great Ferris wheel scene between Mr. Robot and Elliot. Uh, did you get any shades of anything else, Josh, while you were watching? A lot of people think this is a Matrix-like Well, scene. you had been saying that, and I really hadn't picked up on it. You know, I really wasn't looking at, you know, the Morpheus conversation with Neo as I was watching the scene. But you're saying that a lot of people have had that take. Yeah, I, and I, that, is, that is a take a lot of people have. I mean, there's also shades of the third man, which is a fan freaking tastic movie uh, about World War II or post-war Vienna, more, more like uh, I highly recommend that movie. Just go into it sight unseen. Just find The Third Man and watch it. It's a great, great, great movie. Uh, but there's a great Ferris wheel, probably the most famous Ferris wheel scene, I think, in, uh, in film and TV history in that movie. It was a very similar conversation between the characters about sort of moral ambiguity. In this particular case, there's the Joseph Campbell of it all. There's the sort of communing with, uh, not communing with, but he's sort of meeting, uh, if Elliot the hero he's sort of meeting this mentor here and mr robot is telling him what their quest is and in this particular situation the quest is to take down evil corp um elliot recognizes that's probably why you picked me because i work for the security team right that has to do with evil corp um and and christian slater's great line is you don't take down a conglomerate by shooting them in the heart that's the thing they don't have they hearts. don't have hearts right so this is the great monologue where it becomes clear what the goal of this organization is going to be and what role they want Elliot to play. They want to take down Evil Corp, and they want to do it with Elliot's kind of role in the security firm. Uh, and in this particular instance, we've already sort of heard it and not realized it uh, when we see uh, the character, uh, the female character, when Elliot first approaches kind of the, the F Society headquarters again. She says Colby's IP should be swapped in. And we realize that's what they want Elliot to do. They want they want Elliot to kind of set up the CTO as the source of the hack. But what's going to be really difficult about that is Terry Colby keeps winning immunity. So it's going to be really hard <laughs> to get him on anything because he's just never exposed. It's true. It's true. There's going to be a very tough choice Elliot faces at some point, but he's got to make sure that he's able to make that choice when he gets the chance. He so, can only do it when Terry Colby doesn't have immunity. And the problem there, too, is that Terry Colby has a super idol in his back. Pocket. Yes, yes, that is a big problem. Uh, that is a big problem, and it's also ultimately, I think, the way to distract him is to play a shitty movie uh, and to, you know give him some popcorn, and then he won't care. Got it. Uh, but work. but I do think that uh, you know you could also call the ambulance uh, if you will, uh, but that won't happen either. But yeah, this is what Elliot is really up to. This is Elliot's kind of choice that he has to make, and. Elliot seems very kind of set on not setting Colby up. Uh, and he says, I can burn them. Their IP address is in the hack. I don't know why they made it this easy, but they did. So here we go. He's got the folder out in the meeting where he's going to burn Colby. Then Colby is a jerk to Angela. Yeah, he targets Elliot's ally. And Elliot's like, screw it. I'm going after him. Idle or not, I'm taking him down. Yeah. And so he does. Yeah, uh, he's really is- rude here where he's like, she's not working out for us. Not on this level. Uh, yeah, and kicks Angela out, and Elliot was trying to defend Angela, and we're going to see later on in the episode that Angela's like, "Do not defend me. Let me lose." Yeah, I like that scene, by the way. Yeah, and, and that, that's a great scene. We also the great montage with Neil Diamond. If you go away, oh yeah, uh, if the you music go away. If you go away, yeah, this I is, love like you go the, away. Yeah, the first shot of it is so great too, where you're like seeing like the pipes hey. on the ceiling of the subway, and then when you get the next shot and it's Elliot who is looking up, and you're realizing that that you know kind of run of the subway pipes at the top of the of the ceiling is from Elliot's perspective. Yeah, so neat. It's just the whole thing is constructed really beautifully. So many great subway shots, really. Ultimately, in this first great, episode, great, especially. great, great New York show. I yep. can't say it enough. It's an yep. awesome New York show. 
Yeah, so this is just all Elliot's kind of tough call, and ultimately it is the bullying that pushes him over the edge, the bullying of Angela. And Wellick notices, as we talked about, Wellick notices that Elliot switches the files. Nobody else notices, but uh, but Wellick does. Then we have this long wait. Nothing happens. Then all of a sudden, Josh, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Then it, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, yes, that's you. You did you you just played the music from the show. That was <laughs> yeah, it, right? That was me. That was me. Where'd you get that sound cue? Through my mind, I'm able to project it mentally. Wow, fascinating! I have, super, I have superpowers. Yes, uh, I know you do. Uh, what are some of your other superpowers? We don't want to talk about it. I'm really good at eating pizza and not really good at knowing sports. Trust falls. Are yeah, you trust, trust falls. falls. Really good at trust falls. Mistrust falls. Yeah, mistrust falls. Really big fan <laughs> of mine. Uh, but yeah, no, it's happening and he's done it. And like, it takes forever and ever and ever for anything to happen with Terry Colby. And you know, when he goes back to F Society, no one is there, and it's yeah. taking weeks. And it's just like, what is happening? And finally, it is happening. Yeah. Yeah, and just the, the final note before that, before we finish up with the non-spoiler part here, is that uh, is that Elliot finishes off his hack of Michael, Krista's boyfriend. Uh, he discovers that he's got multiple online profiles. He's married. Uh, his revenge uh, or his punishment for this is Michael has to break up with Krista, tell him you know that it's over and do or whatever it ruthlessly. Yes, yeah, so that she, very you know, specific. She needs to be recalibrated. He said, right. Oh, it's awful. And Elliot also steals his dog. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's really, really messed up. But I mean, we do see what this guy is like with the dog. And he's he's holding, like dangling the dog by the leash, basically. And Elliot says, I like you, Flipper. You're cool. cool. We see Elliot's sort of Dexter-like. Yeah, this is the the Dexter equivalent. This is the the Elliot equivalent of the blood slides behind the uh, AC. Yeah. He He has, like, his book of CDs with, you know, music titles and famous albums on there that are clearly not... Uh, actual albums. This one is uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. That's what he uses for Michael. Yes. And this is great because he's. if you look very closely at what he does to make these things, they are actually audio files that contain data in the background. So if anyone were to play that CD as Pink Floyd, it would play Pink Floyd probably. Wow. Uh, but it's got all the data on Michael that he obtained through his hacks. And you see he's got a graveyard of these things. So he's done dozens and dozens of hacks like this. And it's I, I mean, you could do an entire prequel series about uh, every one of those hacks, and I would, I would watch the heck out of it. So yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, Angela, you, you said you love this scene with the let me lose we get yeah, the hug and i that's just think that's a great moment for her being like i need to like live and die here on my own like i appreciate that your yep. head and heart is in the right place but this is my life and like if i'm gonna get screwed over by like this total d-bag of a man let me lose let me pick my own battles let me fight that stuff and i just love the way that elliot can't process that immediately and angela's like stop just being a weirdo about this and say okay just be cool just get it i love it i think it's a really great moment between these two people yeah, and I think that it, it really does establish not not only this, but the Back to the Future 2 scene, Elliot saying she's one of the good ones, yeah. Elliot coming to her defense, the fact that she's the reason he ultimately burns Colby. It really does serve to establish that these characters have a good relationship that perhaps supersedes all of the problems that Elliot has, that Angela speaks to his best angels and the parts of his, the voices in his head that aren't shouting at him, that are actually speaking nicely to him, and that make sense to him. And so there is this very special relationship between Elliot and 
and Angela. That's established even from the pilot uh, perspective. And this scene does a really good job of putting a cap on that. Yeah. Uh, and then, then all of a sudden it's happening for a great New York show, Josh. They spend an awful lot of time in Times Square. I know, but they do a good job with Times Square. <laughs> you know, for a great New Yorker, I've also spent a lot of time in Times Square. So Fair point. You know, you I've it. been to New York dozens of times and I've never been to Times Square. You know, great choice. If you can avoid it, that is the way to go. But sometimes you're stuck in Times Square and at least they render it faithfully. I love that shot of Elliot with, the, you know, the, the big, you know, video and the news playing in the background behind him. And he just like throws up his arms, his total hero Nakamura yes, yata yes. moment. Yata, yes. we did yata! it! It's happening! Yeah, or Rocky, you know, like, right. yeah, this yeah, is but happening. it's like his big moment of victory. And then all of a sudden, here comes the men in black, uh, you know, the Galaxy Defenders. And they are here and it, they are real. <laughs> it's not It's not just in his head. And I think that this is also a very instructive thing, is that we had been seeing throughout the episode, you know, he'd been talking about his paranoia and like, am I being followed? I think I'm being followed. Um, and so much of what Elliot has been seeing, we see with the evil corp thing, like that is in his head. There are some, you know, there is a line between what is he actually seeing and what is he not seeing and what should be taken as reliable and what should be taken as unreliable. But this is strong, hard evidence of he's not totally out of his mind. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. There are people who have Elliot on their radar and these are some of them. And he is taken to evil corp at the end of the thing and taken to meet Wellick. And that is a very real thing. And I love when he just like looks into the camera at the end says please tell me you're seeing this too right uh, you know it's you know this is a very very real thing that is happening to elliot yeah and so so uh, you're right that 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 scene establishing the fact that maybe elliot isn't as crazy as we thought is so great because yeah. it does really do a good job of as you're saying like establishing and making clear that we probably thought as we're watching this episode that this guy is loopy and he's nuts and he's seeing things and we've heard he's delusional and we know he's you know got things in his head that maybe aren't how everyone sees them so how much can we trust anything that we see here by the end of the pilot it's made very very clear. No, these things do happen. Yeah. No, yeah. it's great. It's really, and, really strong ending for the first episode. Yeah. I mean, if you're not like, like you said, if you're not on board with this by the time this is all rolled up, it's tough to not, it's tough to imagine you being on board with it ever because it only gets better from here, but better in the ways that this is all very good. Exactly. I think that if you're not sold on Mr. Robot after the end of the first episode of Mr. Robot, granted, it is still a really quick watch. You know, it's 10 episodes for that first season and you can really blow through it really quickly. I think that it's still worth giving a go. But my hunch is that if you don't like that first episode, you're probably just not going to get into it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But hopefully you enjoyed the first non-spoiler section of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, all right. So that's going to be the end of the spoiler-free section of this recap podcast. We're going to segue over to the spoiler-filled section of the podcast here just to let us know that you got this far. At least we have a hashtag for the spoiler-free section. Andrea. What about mistrust fall? <laughs> all right, mistrust falls. Sure, give mistrust falls some love. She's been through a hard time. Yes. So give us a hashtag mistrust falls. Follow me on Twitter at Round Howard. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. Two Z is one are yes. and now here comes the music cue if you stick around through the end of the music cue you are going to be in spoiler territory shut the podcast off now if you don't want to get in any of that stuff you're not going to miss anything otherwise we'll see you in the spoiler section All 
right, and we're back. We're in the spoiler section of our first Mr. Robot recap podcast, episode one, talking about it from a spoiler perspective. Snape kills Dumbledore. Yeah, let's just get the big one out of the way. <laughs> Mr. Robot is people. Soylent yes. Green is made of Christian Slater. Yes. What Any other spoilers? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I am your father. I am your uh, father. Yes. Uh, what else? I am the one who knocks. I don't know. There's I, other stuff. There's some Game of Thrones things that I could say right now. I won't because that's an active ongoing situation here on Post Show Recaps. All right. So anyway, but yeah, let's let's talk about Mr. Robot spoilers, Josh. All right. Let's talk about other spoilers all day. So here's the big one. I really hope that you're cleared out of here if you haven't watched far enough or if you want to know the spoilers. I will say just as a word of warning, because I do suspect that there are probably people who just stuck around anyway, uh, whether by accident, if by accident, go away, turn it off. Yeah, don't or, get spoiled. Come or, on. Or if it's by your own choice, because you're curious to know what this show is really about. Let me just issue this one final warning. I really don't think you should listen any further. I think, right. I think that this show is much better if you experience the reveals on their own, on your own, watching it for the first time with your own two eyes. A lot of it's really fun. A lot of it's really mind-blowing. You don't want to hear two jabronis just telling you what's going to happen on the show. One jabroni. (laughs) Half a jabroni. Uh, You don't want to hear that. Like You just want to experience it for yourself. So I'm really advising you, turn this off if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen the episodes already. If if you have watched the episodes, then continue apace. Otherwise, you're just going to ruin the thing for yourself. Yeah, I've been, listen, I've been there. I've been, I've listened to podcasts about shows that you and Rob do, Josh, that I don't even watch, like Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, because I don't care. And ultimately, I don't think it's worth it. I will say this is a show where it's really worth it. I think it's really worth it. All right. So that's your final warning. If you haven't turned off by now, you're about to hear the big one. So we got to start talking about the fact that Elliot is Mr. Robot. We got to start talking about the fact that this is the big reveal that comes later on in the series, that this person that he is seeing, Christian Slater, is not only his father, but he's his dead father, and he is his dead father that he is projecting with his own imagination and all the things that Mr. Robot is doing, the construction of F Society, all of that is stemming from Elliot's own actions. And I believe it's really beautifully set up within the first episode. Yes, there are, there are several moments where there are either lines that are like, oh, in hindsight, that's a really funny line. Like, for example, when Elliot sees Darlene and Elliot says, where's your boss? And Darlene says, what, what does she say? She says something like, you're stop. Such, you're such a D. Like, yeah, stop, <laughs> cut the bullshit. Cut the bullshit is yeah, what she says. Yeah, you're being such uh, a D head. Yeah, this, that's really funny. Uh, there's the there's the and like, then you know coming up behind him is Mr. Robot. Right, you right. Know, he's showing up. He's like, Twinkies. I got yeah, I got the last ba- the last box of Twinkies from Christides, uh, which is a such a strange line. It's like literally just like now we, we want you all to know that we are a New York show because we mentioned Christides. Uh, but I feel like you know there's a lot of moments where you're watching for people interacting with Mr. Robot. Cause I think baked into it right away. I think you're suspicious. I think that the way that the show is presenting all of its information. one of the things that the show does really well is start to temper your prediction that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same person. I think they do a lot of really inventive things to kind of curb that theory. But when you go back and you look, there are a lot of moments where people seem to be talking to Christian Slater, but Christian Slater is often positioned right in front yes. of Elliot or right behind Elliot. Uh, and you can really imagine what it would look like if he was not in the scene. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a great moment where Romero opens the door for Christian Slater and Elliot when Elliot is first going into the F Society arcade. And Romero doesn't even look at Christian Slater. He only looks at Elliot. Yeah. Because Elliot's the only one there in hindsight. But at the time, you probably don't even notice. Oh, he only looked at Elliot. He doesn't even look at Christian Slater. Uh, and there are other moments like that, that that are like, oh, okay. And then, there, of course, there are the great lines like when Elliot has just left there. When he says, I created you, but I did not create this. Right. Well, you, technically, you kind of did. You kind of did. Yeah, like this is you. Uh, this is what you did. But then the great part of it is like – I. Look, you're right that they go kind of out of their way to have scenes later in the series, of course, between Romero and Christian Slater, or the scene between Christian Slater and Wellick, which right. is fascinating to think about in the time. And you're assuming that these are scenes where they're actually Elliot. We do see the one kind of perspective scene of Elliot choking himself later uh, throughout in the context of the thing. But there are other moments where Christian Slater is carrying Elliot through his drug withdrawals. And there are other interactions between just Christian Slater and Elliot that are also fascinating fascinating to look at once you realize that he's sort of a delusion and a projection. So there is all of that. But that said, I'm not sure that they really were trying to necessarily make it the most surprising twist. There's a lot of homage throughout the show. Josh, you and I have talked about this and fight club is one of the big ones. Yeah, and of course. unquestionably anyone who's seen fight club knows that this twist is very similar to the fight club twist. Uh, and the, the plot is very similar to Let's the point that once the twist is confirmed on the show, they queue up pixies. Where is my mind? The instrumental version we heard a lot in the leftover season two as well. Yes. And that is the iconic song that plays at the very end of fight club. And right. It's like, okay, so the show is acknowledging the fight club of it all. I think that the show very much acknowledges a lot of its pop culture uh, origins. Right. And I think that the, the, the beauty of, of course, of a show and Mr. Robot, uh, Sam Esmell has said they've probably got five, six seasons somewhere in there in them. Uh, not much more. But the beauty of a show is you can tell a much broader and deeper story. Uh, you can get into a lot more about what happens after um, what happened before. You can go into a lot of different places, the motivations, the deeper motivations of these characters. Uh, you can do it in a way that you can't do it in the length of a movie, a fight club. So it isn't just going to be like a fight club. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, but the central kind of underpinning twist in this first season is very similar. Yeah, very similar. So some interesting things that I think are worth uh, talking through is one. So when we know that Elliot is Mr. Robot and he is the guy who is starting F Society and this plan to take down E Corp is coming from Elliot. When you think about the arcade, the arcade at Coney Island that a year ago, the owner of it was shot and killed. Yeah. So is Elliot already like, is he just like a straight up killer at this point? It's a fair question because we don't also we also don't know why Elliot is in therapy. Why is he in this mandated therapy? Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's completely out there. I mean, I don't know that it would be because he killed a guy. I no. feel like he would be behind bars if that was known. But it could be from something violent. It could be from something. I mean, he's been arrested for something at some point, probably, and that's why he's in court mandated therapy. Right. Uh, but he's also cleared his background check enough that he can get a security job at all at all safe, which yeah. is you know that. So that's not nothing. So who knows? I mean, I, we don't really know. And and ultimately, even if you watch the whole series, we don't find out some of these things. And I think that they're the right questions to ask. Did he shoot or was he responsible in some way for the fact that that person got shot and killed? Or did he just, you know, did he just kind of, was he opportunistic and said, Oh, well now this place is empty. So I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. So I think that that's something that's worth considering is this idea that Elliot 
obviously has this very, you know, kind of, um, you know, he has this side to him that is very aggressively trying to take down this monstrous corporation, has this deep-rooted anger. We saw that in the therapy session, and that came from Elliot. But we have this manifestation of a character that he is creating, and that person is unhinged. We, you know, going ahead and looking ahead later down the line in that scene where he is with Romero when it's just Mr. Robot and Romero and he holds the gun up against him and he says, you know I'm crazy. Uh, like, and that is Elliot in those moments. We're, suppo- yeah. we're supposed to imagine that, you know, Rami Malek could be playing that part. It doesn't have to be Christian Slater. He's just in that mode at that point in time is really unsettling and makes you really have to stop and wonder and think of like, what are the, what's the list of awful crap that Elliot has done without even knowing that he's done some of that stuff. Yeah. I think straight up murder is very likely on the list. Yeah. What's in that burn book? I mean, what's in his blood slides, if you will, like what has he done in the past that he's, that he's written Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or whatever on that is something that is a much deeper, darker story than getting his therapist boyfriend to admit he's a jerk. Right. You know? Uh, so there's a lot going on there because, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot behind the scenes that's happening. When the first attack happens on Evil Corp, when uh, when Angela's calling him and saying you have to do this, and he's been out kind of scouting Michael. He's been out working with Krista's boyfriend and, and getting the the kind of phone switch kind of thing that he does. Uh, he's not there doing that attack. Clearly, that's the others from F Society that are involved in that. Right. Uh, but he, you know, he clearly knows that it's happened. So I don't know. I think that there's fascinating stuff that is happening, sort of in the background of it's these happening. scenes. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Exactly. Exactly. So. I don't know. I think that that's all great. We get the impression, I think, from this pilot episode that that Angela has gotten Elliot the job, and it's somewhat recent yeah. that he hasn't been working at all, say, that long of a time. Uh, so I think that that's interesting. We know throughout the course of the the series of Mr. Robot that Gideon becomes suspicious of Elliot. Yeah, yeah, no, he starts to get really, really worried about Elliot. You know, there's a great moment later on. I think it's episode seven or eight. Um, it's the episode where he meets up with B.D. Wong for the first time. Yes. And, you know, he goes to All Safe and, you know, he's trying to he's trying to get into the system while Gideon isn't looking. And Gideon really grills Elliot. And he's like, this conversation is not over. He's really, really angry at Elliot. So it's also just, you know, not in terms of like drilling down super deep into like, like, should we be watching for that or anything? I think just like on a really surface level, it's really kind of heartbreaking to go back to this first episode and see them on the plane together and seeing this sort of paternal attitude that Gideon has for Elliot at the start of this thing. And through the first couple of episodes, too, like the dinner party with Shayla and everything. Yes. Um, you know, to see that attitude that Gideon has toward Elliot juxtaposed with where he kind of winds up with him later on in the show. Yeah, and and Gideon ends up giving Elliot a hug at the end of that first kind of weirdness at the dinner party, where he's saying, "I looked back into that thing." I love that he's like, "Is he gonna hug me? Is he gonna hug me?" Yes. Oh shit, he's gonna hug me. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that you're right. Like, there's reason to be suspicious of Elliot from the jump. These characters are suspicious. He hasn't worked at all safe that long. Uh, He's clearly the guy that you would think. You know, the new guy, the guy who hates clearly hates the corporations. Gideon says to him in this pilot, "Like, I think if they got taken down, you'd be secretly happy." You know, and uh, so it's it's something other characters do recognize about Elliot. But we have to also keep in mind, and this is a thing. This is a question that we got from the Gollum, uh, and the Gollum says. 
Please discuss Elliot as an unreliable narrator, and if that literary device has been used for other series uh, and things that are, you know, the the, the protagonists of the course, you know, the, the the centers of these series. And I think that that's a that's a very valid question because. There's so much that goes on in this pilot uh, that we're like, oh, we can look and see that, for example, Tyrell Wellick interacts with Gideon outside the conference room right before Angela is removed. And a lot of people point to that and say, that's proof that Tyrell Wellick and Elliot are very different people. They're not the same person. A lot of people theorize that they might be the same person. Um, this is proof that they're not uh, because they interact. Wellick interacts with another character, and that's another character. Fine. But that scene is through Elliot's perspective. Right. Elliot's in that scene. And as we see other times in this pilot scenes from Elliot's perspective, we know they're warped and we know they're not right. Yeah. So I don't know what we can rely on. Can you think of other series, Josh, that have used unreliable narrators? I mean, there's tons. True Detective season one is the one I was thinking of, like where we've got a lot of kind of testimony that's yeah. happening. And we're, we even see at one point where what the narrators are telling the uh, the people that they're telling it to is very different from what happened, uh, and they're telling a very different story, and that is kind of questionable throughout True Detective season one. I think a lot of the defenders of the freaking dumpster fire that is Fargo season two. Oh would wow! Say, Look at you would, letting it out. Would say the fact that there's a potential unreliable narrator in play there excuses a lot of the inconsistencies of the series. I would not say that, oh, uh, man. but a lot of people would. There, it comes up a lot on on a lot. Uh, I think how to how I met your mother is uh, is another one, right? Because we've got the device where the where Ted or is that his name? Ted. I think. Uh, it, yeah, he's telling he's telling his kids the story, yeah. and so what we're getting is a story of a story. So we don't know if it's true or not, and how much of this is unreliable or reliable. And I think there are moments throughout that series that we've we've seen are unreliable. So there's that for sure as well. So that does come up from time to time, uh, and it, I guess it's questionable um, how much of what's happening is happening for real or not. Yeah, series. Yeah, I, you know, you can look like leftovers. A lot of there, there's a lot of stuff going on there with certain characters. So I mean, it's been used before, but I think it's used especially artfully on Mr. Robot. And I think one of the things that's great about it is Elliot himself as a character is so extraordinarily paranoid about stuff, and the viewer becomes very, very paranoid as well. And I think the paranoia only increases once you find out what the situation is. And Elliot is having this, you know, literally like this out-of-body experience where he is, you know, he's disassociating. He has this dissociative disorder where he is another man who is taking these actions on. Yeah. And it's really intense. And I think that that paranoia only heightens and transfers over to the viewer where a lot of batshit crazy theories are born. And, you know, a lot of them come down to, like, is Tyrell Wellick? Is he another personality? Is that possible? I think that that's something that we can track and we can watch a little bit as we're digging into these episodes. Um, I'm not a huge subscriber to that, but who knows? I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, and it was no BS, like, I did not realize the evil corp thing. Like I didn't recognize that Elliot is the guy who just like for a long time, I thought that it was straight up. That company was called evil corp and the show just wasn't even bothering to disguise it because it's such a clear thing. And it was a commentary on the sheeple mentality of most people on the planet who would just be fine with an evil corp running their lives. Like I thought it was just like a really thinly veiled commentary. 
Turns out that it's just Elliot's impression of E-Corp. And every time somebody is saying Evil Corp, that is through Elliot's point of view. So you really do, you can't trust so much of what Elliot is seeing and doing, especially when we ultimately know that he has generated an entirely different person who is running this game and is running this really complicated thing. And Elliot himself is only waking up to it in this first episode after the operation has been up and running for a good little while at this point. Yeah. Um, so there's there's so much that you can't trust with that character. It's going to breed a lot of paranoia. It's going to breed a lot of paranoid theories. I think we'll bring a lot of those into the discussion here. Um, I know one of them was the, we talked about Back to the Future a little bit here yeah. already on Back this to podcast. The future too. Yeah. Can you talk? Can you talk about this crazy Back to the Future two theory you sent to me earlier today? Well, it's just that that's just that Elliot. There's so the fact that it's Back to the Future too. We later see kind of the 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 montage of pictures where Elliot is is recognizing that Mr. Robot uh, or Christian Slater is his father, and we see a picture of the two of them uh, as kind of uh, as Doc and Marty, uh, and we see that kind of organized. So the other thing about Back to the Future too, of course, is that there are multiple timelines. That that's a that's a movie directly about kind of changing the past and the impact it has on the future and things like that. So there is some belief. I think there's some theories out there uh, that there's some kind of time uh, element in play with Mr. Robot. That maybe that it isn't just a, a delusional kind of situation where uh, characters might be in certain people's heads, but there are there are time elements in play. That Elliot maybe uh, has has shifted time in some way. Oh, man. Uh, White Rose says at one point, "You hack people." I hack time, uh, and time is something that is that is really in play. And there are other people that have talked about how uh, time is is kind of a thing where you can play around a lot with time on TV shows, and that's kind of the last frontier of what you can do in terms of Fargo season one, for example, has a great time jump. Um, there are other shows that have taken advantage of time jumps or flashbacks or things like that. So maybe we're getting some sort of time shifting or time jump in in Mr. Robot as well. And the fact that Back to the Future 2 is kind of held up and shown on screen to be his favorite movie, uh, and there are Back to the Future connections, means that there may be multiple timelines in play, too. I don't really want to crush on that too much. No. But uh, it's out there. But I think it's a testament to the fact that, again, wildly paranoid theories in play. A lot of people thinking really, really wild, outside-the-box ideas about the show and I think that some of them are probably too far outside the box for me. That's a big one. If this show is suddenly taking a turn for the hard sci-fi where time travel is involved, that, I mean, I, I feel like because this show is so good, Mr. Robot could probably sell it if they went there. But I really have a hard time seeing the show go there and frankly don't want it to go there. Um, so that's a little far outside the box for me. But I think... What you can say is what the show does do in terms of really playing, a, you know, waging psychological warfare on its viewer and its characters is I think that it breeds the possibility for a lot of this type of theorizing, a lot of this type of conversation. And it's not super ridiculous to have these conversations and to talk this stuff through. Uh, and I think that that's a testament to just sort of the twisting and turning deeper and deeper down the robot hole wonderland nature of the story that presents itself. I think it's really going to encourage people to just like have these really whacked out ideas. Yeah, and I mean, you and that's see, fun. I like you that. see photographs where people appear and disappear depending on what Elliot's perspective is, and right. so people are like Back to the Future. But it's also because Elliot's mind is so messed up, and it could just be that. But there, 
there very clearly is something going on with Tyrell. I think this pilot makes it very fascinating where Tyrell is literally knowing what Elliot is thinking and saying, I know what you're thinking. That could be a coincidence. It obviously, uh, I'm not saying that it proves anything, but it's fascinating that he does definitely know what he's thinking and yeah. that that is happening. Uh, and because Tyrell is such a weird character, throughout this whole series, uh, seeing him pop up and seeing the kind of first things we find out about Tyrell and the very first thing that he speaks is this kind of interaction with Elliot where he clearly knows what Elliot's thinking uh, is, is interesting for sure. Uh, and later the, the scene where he has with Christian Slater, uh, where he basically says like, don't forget, I know your secret, right? Elliot, maybe Tyrell has some previous knowledge of this and it isn't, uh, it isn't, I, I guess I'll say that, um, it isn't a coincidence, perhaps, that Terry Colby is the one that's taken down the CTO. That's the job Wellick wants. It's very fortuitous that Terry Colby is taken down. It doesn't really hurt Evil Corp that much, and it certainly could seemingly really help Wellick. Um, that's before anything else. That's the move. And once we know what we know about Wellick and his wife, about how Lady Macbeth and Macbeth of it they are. She's such about, a good character, by She's the way. so great. I love Unbelievable love, love her. character. Yes. Great moments, great moments we'll talk about as we encounter them throughout the course of this series. But once we know what we know about how the two of them will really resort to just about anything to get him that CTO spot and to work his way up the ladder. They make the Underwoods look like the nicest human beings on the planet. Yes, they're like the Overwoods. Yeah. They're like, you know, they're like they're just above it all. They're yeah. un- unbelievable. Or they're like the sub underwoods. They're like, they're crazy. No, the way they're overwood for sure. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, once we realize, once we now that we know that about them, with that perspective about them, is it is it too much of a stretch to say that Wellick would have not been involved in getting Colby taken down? No, I don't think that's a stretch at all. In fact, I think that it's likely, uh, and I yeah. think that that's the kind of thing that I'm interested in is, and especially when we get to the scene at um, uh, what's the name of the what's the what's the plant uh, that they go to? Uh, oh, Steel Mountain. Steel Mountain, sure. Yeah. So once we get to the Steel Mountain episode and we see a lot of those interactions, that's yes. you know, that's going to be like the biggest, lengthiest exchange between Tyrell Wellick and Elliot that we get on the. Show for a long time i mean coming into episode two we're gonna have a good one to talk about as well in that very first scene but i think once we get into really looking back at some of those exchanges i think that's episode five um i think it's going to be really fascinating to look at that conversation through the prism of tyrell already knows who elliot is and what elliot is all about and what his secret is yeah um, i mean the, the fact that they go to the executive lunchroom in that scene and right. that is the going there is what gets elliot the kind of access he needs to put the raspberry pie in the uh in the the thermostat right i mean it's just like that is that's what's happening and could 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 that be an accident probably not like wellick is probably involved even from the jump with the colby thing uh and so this is fascinating to think about uh and that's what makes this sort of very formal very weird interaction between the two of them in the office where he's like hey you're an engineer i'd like to talk to you i'm an executive and the cto like blah 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 oh i'm gonna act like i've never met you before but clearly i have and clearly i know what's up and so here we are but i don't know i don't know how much of that because we never find out but i think it's i think it's pretty interesting to think about even from this pilot episode i think it's really interesting to think about and i think this is one of the things that's really exciting about doing the rewatch and having this spoiler portion of the rewatch as well because we know you know as viewers people who have watched the whole show of mr robot or the first season of it anyway we know that elliot has this secret unbeknownst to himself that he is you know this other personality as well he has that going on and we also know that tyrell is aware of it but we 
don't see a lot of interaction between these two in their full, honest forms. Um, we really only get one scene. It's in episode nine of Tyrell and Elliot with Elliot being cognizant of who he really is yes. having a moment. And I think that this is one of the big, big questions going into season two, not just where is Tyrell because he's going to be missing by the end of this thing, but also how much did he know? How involved is he in all of this stuff? And that's going to be one of the really great things that should be playing out in the next season and now is our chance to really start as you like to say antonio planting a lot of those flags yes. about just how much does he know what kind of theories can we start to generate in that direction i think that's going to be a lot of fun to chew on as we get into these episodes yep and and the the two moments are the you know the couple of moments from this premiere don't disappoint in that regard like they're really setting up that wellick is an interesting cat that he's got an interesting interaction with elliot here in the office and that he pulls him in later uh i don't know exactly what what all that's going on we're going to get so much great Wellick going forward. I mean, he's got one day where he beats up a bum and then he's having sex with a male secretary and then right. he's tying up his wife at night. So like, what a day, Josh. What That's a, a great day. episode. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into all that, yeah. but, but like this is, I mean, it's setting up right away. He looks like an eighties movie villain. He's got the slick back here. He's got the Patrick Bateman of it all, but He's also bringing a lot more to the table in terms of his. The only thing he's missing is a poncho and a fire axe and him murdering somebody to Huey Lewis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, we haven't seen his business card yet. Either, no, but not yet. We I did get a great, great scene though. in his closet. And I think I'm like, oh, OK, Patrick Bateman. I got it. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is all I mean, that, that's all really kind of great. And the rest of the knowing that that Elliot is Christian Slater, we had uh, I think Ben Dubs uh, wanted us to kind of comment specifically on. He says, knowing what we know about who Mr. Robot is, what do you think is happening with the other characters of the scene when Elliot is being shown around F society for the first time, who do they think Elliot is talking to? Do they think he's talking to himself? Is he not talking at all? Is this an inner monologue? What is Elliot's role in that first scene we see in the arcade? And I guess I would say, Josh, how much do these people know? Cause Darlene is very kind of taken aback when Elliot kisses her later right. uh, and realizes that he doesn't remember things. How much do they know? Because about what's happening and about Elliot's delusions. How much are they on board with any of the things that are happening? Probably on a graded scale. Like I bet Romero knows a good amount. We're going to see, you know, the way that he is treating Elliot during the throes of his drug addiction. Uh, you know, when he's really going through withdrawal in yeah. episode four. So I think that he, you know, he can sniff it out. I think that he can smell it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I feel like in the scene when he shows up to the arcade for the first time, you know, his interaction with Darlene is really limited and when he does have his first talk with darlene it's the second time he's going to the arcade that's right that's right she, she, she's got headphones exactly. on exactly like she's jacked in she's plugged in maybe she's not really paying much attention to what uh elliot is doing as he's talking to himself otherwise i feel like based on what we know later she would be concerned about that okay yeah that makes a lot of sense to me i think you're right i mean i think that that's ultimately what it comes down to and and but the other I thing that, too is like how often is he actually talking these things through out loud or is it purely in his head is he just like wandering around the arcade you know actively talking to himself or is this dialogue is this exchange with mr robot just happening mentally yeah i think that i think that's right and i guess i would ask you and this is i mean by means of kind of wrapping this up i think that the the, the kind of predominant question I have here is what happened immediately before the events of this, of this premiere, like, or the pilot? Like, Elliot begins with his monologue in black, uh, and he says, what I'm about to tell you is top secret. And so is my, my read on that monologue, with it all kind of taken, uh, taken out of context and knowing everything that I know about the show now, or taken in context, 
is that that may have occurred, that may, monologue may be occurring after all of this has gone down. It oh, is not a completely linear thing where he's saying, like, like, you know, you're born, all of a sudden you're in black, and then all of a sudden your eyes open and you're awake, and then you, you start with your experiences. But what I'm about to tell you is top secret. I've created somebody that's in my head, the top 1% of the 1%. That sounds to me like the group from the very last scene of season one, the White Rose meeting up with the, uh, the, the, the head of Evil Corp, right. kind of just talking in the eyes wide shut context. That's the, the Illuminati of it all, the top 1% of the top 1% uh, controlling everything. And so I do wonder if this monologue, when you speak of time shifting, takes place at, well after the events of Mr. Robot, and what we're watching is ultimately a retelling of everything that happened before that. That's interesting. I never read really had considered that i feel like there's so much <coughs> urgency with a lot of the moments where elliot is talking to us where he's talking yes. to his friend uh that's happening in the moment and it is you know concurrent with his physical actions with him look looking shifty in the subway and then like looking at directly at us that i feel like it's present tense i don't think it's looking back through the looking glass but who knows it's not impossible i just had never really read it that way but I'll, I'll look at it like that uh, moving forward because it just hadn't been a consideration for me before. Well, and, I, and I'm not saying that every time Elliot speaks like that, that it is after, if necessarily after. Uh, but I wonder about that opening monologue. It's so interesting because he's creating somebody uh, right away. Uh, and the question is, what has made him forget? Like, what happened? Is it just that he went off his meds? And so once he's gone off his meds, he starts having delusions, and he forgets that he's in charge of F society, and he forgets who Darlene is, and he forgets who all these things are, and he forgets the maybe if he had an arrangement with Tyrell already, that he forgets all of these things because he just goes off his meds and his head gets screwed up. Yeah. But I, I, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but something has happened immediately before the events of this that has caused him to manifest Christian Slater and that has caused him to manifest this idea that he is uh, not, and he's an innocent in this and he's been recruited, uh, that he's not the leader of it. So what is that? What is the inciting incident? What is the, the, the beginning of all of this that happened directly before the events of, because we, I, we'll say, I'll say this, he's in therapy with Krista for a year. Uh, we know that, and we know that he's ultimately finishes that year, but we don't know how much that has uh, has passed. So, uh, you you know, you let me know ultimately as we watch throughout yeah. uh, where we are with that because no, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. cool. Yeah, it's cool to think about you know who because he was not awake. You know, right. that's the that's the thing is like he's not awake when the show begins. You know, when he's waking up, the first right. episode is him starting the process of waking up. And I think that that's also a really interesting line from Mr. Robot when he brings Elliot to the arcade to F Society for the first time where he says, I just wanted you to see the place. It's like this is your first time that you, Elliot, kind of like the, you know, the little fawn in the woods is actually right. seeing the tree fort. You know, and it's interesting. I, I think that that's a really great scene. And it's, you know, what's waking him up? Why, why now? Um, you know, why does it matter? Why do we need to include him? If he's already doing all of this stuff, why does this version of Elliot need to be a participant? Yeah, and, and I mean, we see, like, an important thing to kind of track, and we didn't get into this in the non-spoiler section, we see a very, a, a five-second scene of Elliot's mother abusing him, taking away what looked like to be a Game Boy, slamming his hand down on the table while she's smoking a cigarette, and we see the adult Elliot kind of watching on or remembering that happening. And right before or right after, that's right after he says, 
Sometimes I dream of saving the world, saving the world from the invisible hand, the one that forces us to work for them. I can't stop it. I'm not that special. I'm just anonymous. When in reality, we know that the, the other version of Elliot believes that he can do that yeah. and that he's not that. And I got to tell you, as we find through the, con- the context of this series, it's a little bit of a naive viewpoint because the view that taking down Evil Corp is going to change the world does not seem to be a view shared by the top 1% of the top 1%. And so ultimately that is maybe a little bit of a kind of angsty, kind of not really teenager, but kind of an immature view. Uh, And we know that a lot of his immaturity comes from the fact that he had a really rough childhood and that the only person that kind of carried him through that is dead. And he's got significant mental or emotional problems that cause him to manifest that person again and maybe make him feel like he's this spirit guy throughout this world where he can make a difference. And so the question is, what causes that to happen both long-term and in, in the very moments right before this show starts? And like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence the show starts in black. I don't think it's a coincidence that first Maybe he just has the hoodie movie. on too tight, and he's like, that's all he can see. <laughs> I can't see. I'm, I'm just, yeah, he's got it covered over his he's eyes. Like, like Kenny, a, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or like a, yeah, like a Fat Albert kind of character or something <laughs> pulled over his face right. completely, yeah, yeah. so... I don't know. I don't know exactly why he's lampshading at that point, but it's happening. Uh, and then he opens his eyes and he's on the subway and it's last night. Uh, and those guys aren't following him around because of last night, but they are following him around. And if they're Wellick's goon squad the whole time, maybe they're making sure he sticks to the plan. I don't know. But um, I think it's very, very, and I didn't, I didn't think about this until I watched it pro- the pilot for probably the fourth or fifth time having seen the series. But I started thinking about like, when does this monologue take place? It's really weird. And I think it's possible that the monologue has a break in it where it's like the hello friend thing and I created you and this is top secret is separate from the this is about last night. And I think that those things could be not not the same thing. And I think it's it's when you talk about time shifting, you don't have to time travel to time shift like that. And I think that is the fascinating part for sure. Interesting stuff. All right. Anything else in terms of the spoiler section that we need to talk about here? Any flags you want to plant for moving forward? No, not me. Anything from you like no. that? Really, it's just a lot of funny lines, knowing what we know, yeah. and a lot of scenes like Ben Dubs is talking about, where you're like, oh, so if Christian Slater's not really in this scene, what's going on? Uh, but yeah, I think the Wellick stuff is the most interesting thing, for sure. Uh, taking aside the fact that Elliot is 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 controlling a lot of... He's really screwed up, is what it comes down to. Because if he doesn't recognize that the DDoS attack that's happening is something that his own group has created, he's a lot more distant from reality than I think we even realize. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So we'll talk about all of that. And I think that what's going to be really fun, you know, we know what the big reveal is coming up with Elliot from this point of view and from this part of the podcast. And I think a lot of it's just going to be like, what were the signs that were there? So I think we'll talk through a lot of that stuff. But I think one of the big things to talk about for the ramifications of season two is definitely the Tyrell of it all. And where does he fit into this? Um, So that'll be really fun to talk through. Any theories that you guys have, you can send them our way. Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Just say Mr. Robot spoilers in the subject, and we will make sure that it is in the spoiler section. Follow us on Twitter at RoundHoward at AC Mazzaro. If you got through the spoiler section, hashtag Overwood. That sounds good. That sounds good to me. Be really cool about the spoiler stuff in any comment section or anything, and just be careful on tweets as well. We want to make sure that people who have not been through Mr. Robot yet are going to stay unspoiled. So just use your judgment. Be cautious. All of that stuff. You know what to do. It's all it's all pretty basic stuff. So subscribe to what we're doing here. Postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes. MR Robot iTunes, or for the everything that you want to get out of us, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, any other nonsense that we're doing. 
doing here, posterrecaps.com slash iTunes. Antonio, anything else? No, I think if a lot of people subscribe to that iTunes Mr. Robot specific feed right away, uh, we're going to get noticed on the iTunes charts, hopefully, and then more people will be able to be part of the conversation. That's how you kind of climb up the charts as reviews and subscriptions on iTunes. If we pop before the season, I think we'll have a much more robust podcast with feedback a during robot. the season. Yeah, much more robust podcast, robots yeah. uh, podcast from the whole season. So subscriptions do really help if you use a podcatcher or the iTunes podcast app. Definitely beneficial. All right, so we're going into episode two next week. So you've got a week to watch episode two. Come up with your theories for that. Antonio, for episode two specifically, is there anything that you're particularly excited to get talking about? I mean, the wellic of it all, for sure, I think is is really the kind of fascinating stuff for episode two, because we start, and it, it's such a weird, when we, end, when we end this pilot, it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a major deal here. Like, he knows, and it's going to be a problem. And then it's dispensed with relatively quickly, uh, and we get into the, the Shayla of it all uh, and everything that comes forward. Fernando! Yeah, Vera. Oh my gosh, yeah, Fernando Vera is going to make character. his is going to make his mark. Great character, you say. So that's going to be interesting. I think you and I are going to have some conversations about that. Yeah, because um, I I I I don't know exactly where I land on that whole storyline, and I think that it'll be instructive for me to get to bounce that off of you because uh, it does come in the midpoint of the season, and it was a head scratcher on the first watch. So we'll have some deep conversations, much like Fernando Vera would himself. We'll have some philosophical chats about it. And Josh, I got to tell you, when we're all done with it, I'm going to hug you. <laughs> I know, and I'm going to hug you. Yeah, this will be great. I'll love it. It'll be great. I'll hugs for everybody. Yeah. All right, that's the end of our Mr. Robot podcast this week. We'll be back next week with episode two. Uh, it, it's always hard to say what these episode titles are. Eps 1.1 underscore ones hyphen and hyphen zeros. The O and zeros being a zero dot MPEG. You just don't speak elite, Josh, yeah, do you? I'm not elite speaker. No. Well, it's just ones and zeros. I mean, ones and zeros, ones and zeros. All right. But we'll be back next week with more with more Mr. Robot. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. All the birds that flew in a summer sky When our love was new and our hearts were high When the day was young and the night was long Stood still for the night bird's song If you go away If you go away